So that's Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 through 30. What I'm sharing with you this morning, I've got uh, a title for, and that is, what does it take to be in God's kingdom? I think at the moment that we are, we are in um, the best of times, we are in the worst of times. I don't know what, what your life is like at the moment, but um, I've got a little bit of an idea because we're all a little bit in the, in the same boat. We've all had our restrictions, our lives restricted back to um, who we can see, where we can go, what we can do. A lot of us have had our incomes cut because we no longer can get the work that we used, used, used to get. Um, for a lot of people, it's a very lonely time because they're actually not able to see just about anybody. Um, in a lot of other ways, though, we are, we are very blessed. We're very blessed to be in this country in that um, we've got politicians who seem to be making uh, wise decisions. You might not necessarily agree, but um, I'm making wise decisions about risk restricting our movement so we can restrict this virus in the in the community we also have a very good medical system we have um, hospitals which have got spare ICU beds available for us we've got ventilators the the hospitals are very well equipped they're they're world class and also um we as people our um our hope isn't necessarily here in this life. It doesn't start and finish here. It, um, it doesn't start and finish here, but we have a hope which is, is to come. So I just want to um, start off this morning again by, by reading this passage. I'm going to start at verse 13 and I'm going to read to, through to verse, verse 30. Then the little children were brought to Jesus. Were brought, oh sorry. Then the little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and to pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Jesus said, "Let the two little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these." When he had placed his hands on them, he went out from there. Now a man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to, to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter eternal life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother and love your neighbour as yourself. All these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle 
than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who were first will be last and many who were last will be first. Please, Lord, give us insight into these words this morning. I've got three points I want to bring out this morning in my usual fashion. Um, the first one is little children. The second one is, is the one who had it all. And the third one is those who have given up everything. Little children. Let me just read that part of the passage again. And the little children who were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went out from there. Little children can seem to be insignificant in the, in the scheme of things. They have haven't made up their mind about lots of things. We as um, adults can sort of look straight over them, thinking that they really do not have a great deal to con con contribute. And here were the disciples considering these children to be quite insignificant and we're running a, a roadblock against them. As a, um, as a grandparent, it has um, given me a whole new look at our little children. As a, um, as a parent, I um, feel like I hardly even remember what was going on back then. I remember very little about my children growing up and their comments and, and the stuff that they used to were probably too busy under a house, clipping up cables, putting in a PowerPoint for somebody. But um, as a grandparent, it's all brand new. And especially as they start to get older, you see, children don't really have a filter, do they? They say what is on their mind. They talk about the elephant in and they say the things that you shouldn't necessarily say. I come home from work, I often say to um, little Lucas, I say, um, when, I'm, when Pauline's babysitting them, I say, um, Lucas, come and give our pa a cuddle. And Lucas will... Um, often say to me, oh, pa, too busy, pa, too busy. Maybe later, maybe later. Okay, Lucas, maybe later, hopefully. And when I walk around the place, you see where Lucas has been busy with his little truck. He's got little piles of rocks all over the place, some in the letterbox, 
some on the road, some on the, in the middle of the grass. Do not move them because it just reminds me of him, this beautiful little man. And when um, little Lucas says something, it almost makes, it makes me stop and think about it because he has no preconceived ideas about things. He's a blank sheet of paper. And, you know, if he asked Ma, how come Pa has to work so much? I think, well, if Lucas is saying it, maybe I need to look at this. See, the beauty of little children is that they are a blank sheet of paper, aren't they? And it is a good time to bring them to Jesus. To actually show them, show them Jesus and to tell them the stories and to tell them what they need to do to get eternal life. And it will be tested as they grow up. But they're a blank sheet of paper. We also tell them about Santa Claus and we also tell them about the Easter Bunny and they seem to grab hold of that as well. Maybe we need to be rethinking that a little bit. Shannon and um, Julie have put some restrictions on them, Pauline and I, because I think Shannon identifies that um, we are people of influence in little Lucas's life and that God is a very high priority in our lives. And he sees that Lucas is a blank sheet of paper and that he will be easily influenced. And he doesn't want us talking about Jesus to our grandson. And in their, in their case, to their, both their, their children, Lucas and Arton. It's very difficult for us, as you, as you can imagine. And I just pray that you help us just to walk this type road in honouring Shannon's wishes and that he wants Lucas to make up his own mind on this stuff and not be unduly influenced by us and honouring what we are called to do as followers of Jesus. The one who has it all. Now, there was a man who approached Jesus and he asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus basically quotes the Ten Commandments at him. All these I have kept, he says. If you read these Ten Commandments, you'll see that he must be a good man. Even the fact that he is a rich man sort of shows that God has blessed him in his life. He is a good man. There's no doubt about it that he is a good man. How would we stack up? I mean, I think I'm also basically a good man. I mean, I haven't murdered anybody. I do not commit adultery. I do not steal. Well, if you really investigate that, I might struggle a bit there. I do not give false testimony. Well, I don't think so. Honour my father and mother. Well, I think I do, but maybe my mother might have another thing to say about that. 
and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I think I'd struggle there, struggle big time. Well, this man had done all that. And then Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, then give everything that you have to the poor. He had great wealth, so he was unable to do that. I don't mind giving some, but not all. It goes on to say that it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, I sat there just trying to imagine that for a little while, just trying to put a camel through the eye of a needle. I don't know. Obviously, I mean, there's some biblical scholars who think it's some geographical thing in um, some track where it was very difficult for the camels to go around and go through the eye of a needle, but this eye of the needle, which was actually a stone structure or something or other. But if you just take a literal reading of this, could you imagine how impossible it is to put to shred a camel to a point where you could actually put it through the eye of a needle. Impossible. And that's the picture. It's impossible. Why is it so hard for the rich to go to heaven? Is it because they're able to supply their own needs? Is it because they're able to look after themselves? Is it because the frig fragility of life doesn't seem to impact them or even go into their thought patterns at all. I remember when I used to do electrical contracting and I'd be relying on the phone calls coming in all the time and then sometimes there wouldn't be any phone calls and i think, well, God, this could all fall over. And then the phone would start ringing. I'd be reminded of the fragility of, of my situation all the time. And I think COVID's a little bit like that. I mean, it's undone our worlds, hasn't it? It's changed in a very short space of time, lots and lots and lots of things. And I just wonder whether it is God just reminding us, whether we are rich or whether we are poor, that he is the one in control. That he is the one who provides the answers. And everything which we think is our strength and what we hang on to can just be undone. And we can't even meet together anymore. I'm out here in my garden preaching to some, some elks or to the, to the plants of the garden. With man... Some things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You see, when it boils down to it, it doesn't matter whether we are rich or poor. When it comes down to just us and how good we are at keeping the Ten Commandments and how good we are at giving our money to the poor, we're all going to fall over. None of us are good enough. None of us stand up at all, at all. I think the key verses here in this part of the passage is verse 17 and verse 21 where it says there is only one who was good and there was only one who was good and that was Jesus. And verse 21 it says if you want to be perfect, well we'd all like to be perfect but it's just not achievable. We just can't do it. 
That brings me to my third point, and that is those who have given up everything. If you look at Peter's response here straight away, it says, let me, let me just read it. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And when you look at Peter and the other disciples, they had. They had left everything. They'd left their jobs. They'd left their, their families. They'd left their wives if they had any or those who had them. They'd left their children. They'd left any sort of security which they had had and they'd got up and they just followed Jesus. And then he's talking to Jesus. I mean, there's anybody who'd left more than what Peter had. It was Jesus. If you want to read Philippians chapter 2 from verses 3 through to 11. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain consent, conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as Christ, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and made him and gave him the name that is above all other names, and that that name every knee shall should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Peter seems to be saying, we have earned it. Please give me what I deserve. You know, that's the first thing from my mind. I don't want to get what I deserve because I deserve nothing. On my own merit, I get nothing. All I'm do deserving of is death and separation. Jesus answers Peter's question. At the renewal of all things, you will sit on the judgment seat and you will receive a hundred times more. Now, I don't think what's in view here is somebody measuring what you have given up and then times in it by a hundred and giving it back to you. I think the picture is, is that what we are walking into is so much better. It's so much better than what we think we have given up, all this sacrifice we think we have made. We will not even remember. We will not even look at because of what we're walking into. This constant communion with our creator of the universe, being in a place where our imperfections are gone. place where there will be no more pain there will be no more loneliness there will be no more separation 
Life is hard at the moment. Lots of restrictions. Lots of situations every day where we're tempted to break the restrictions. I just want to ask the question at the end at the same question which I started with. What does it take to be part of God's kingdom? There's nothing we can do on our own merit to move into his kingdom. It's about believing in the fact that Jesus Christ walked about on the face of this planet 2,000 years ago that he made the claims that he made and that we believe the claims that he made, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on a cross, suffering or understanding the frustrations of being a man, that he died on the cross a perfect man, that he did not fail at all at any single turn, that he died for us, we need to believe all this. And that on the third day he rose, giving us victory over death. And if we believe all this and we choose to follow him, then we will have eternal life, a better life, a hope for the future which is so much better than here and now. I'm just going to close off in a word of prayer. And if you would like to move into and to become part of God's kingdom, please just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for coming down to this earth. for making the claims that you made. For proving who you claim to be. For living a perfect life. For dying on a cross. And for raising, being risen from the grave, claiming victory over the grave. Lord Jesus, I believe all this. And I want to accept your gift of forgiveness and of salvation here this morning. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, guys. That's all I've got this morning.